I guess I got it from the Navy in a way, just you know, always constantly preparing, always constantly training, because you don't know what fight's coming next. You just don't know. Like it's not. Back at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the General Tire 150 under caution because of an accident involving Jesse Awuchi and Tyler Dipple. You, know, and... you don't know. <laughs> so you just got to be ready. And watch you see the spark out from underneath the car of Awuchi, uh, the 34. And then makes hard, hard contact with the 22 of Dipple. Boy, and that's a hard hit into the wall. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready, when it comes, and you're like, okay, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was ready for a fight. At the end of the day, I was ready for a fight. So I'm ready to fight whoever it is. Let's do it. So why is it got to be so damn tough? No matter how many punches you take, no matter how many times you get kicked down, no matter how many times you lose, no matter how many times you get embarrassed, no matter how many times you're going to get past it and eventually you're going to win. So Welcome to the Toughness Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Steinfort, and we have a special guest today who has excelled in not one, not two, but three different industries, areas of achievement, have gone from being uh, playing college football in Division One to being an officer or a lieutenant specifically in the Navy and now competing in the National Series in NASCAR. Welcome to the show, Jesse Iwuji. Thanks for having me on the show today. Thanks, man. Now, I mentioned three of the hills that you have climbed and are still climbing in, in some instances. It's quite a varied journey, right? And I want to start off with something that I read in your background notes that was really interesting to me and I think will be a good diving off point is a, a quote that you love from Les Brown that talks about, I'm going to butcher the phrase here, you might be able to fix it for me, but the, that someone's perception of you doesn't have to be the actual reality. Is mm -hmm. that what, what has allowed you the freedom to be like, you know what, I've done this great thing and now I'm going to go do this thing. Like you, you've changed and evolved multiple times. Has that been an early part of your identity? That, yeah, it was really, really huge. Actually, one of my friends sent me a video back in 2015. And it was like just about kind of the beginning of this whole journey of me um, trying to rise up the ranks of NASCAR. And in this video, he knew, I don't know how, but at that particular time, he somehow got the sense that I was struggling to try to figure this thing out, how to figure out how to get funding, how to just get through the ladder because I, I knew I, where I wanted to be. I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't have what I needed to actually make it happen. So for some reason, he was sensing it that day. I don't know how, because I mean, I didn't see him that day. He just, you know, he sensed it. So he got on Facebook and he sent me the video. And in the video, that's when I first heard the, the phrase. And it was, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And when I heard that, it just clicked. And I was like, you know what? Just because there's all these people out there who feel like there's no way in the world I'll be able to make it through this journey. There's no way I'll be able to eventually race, you know, at the top levels of NASCAR. There's just no way it can happen because you know, I don't come from a racing family. I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't come from this. I don't come from that. I don't look this way, look that way. Like all these people were saying all these things on why I couldn't, but I wasn't going to let their opinion of me, their opinion of my journey become my reality. I knew I was going to get to where I wanted to go because I had already had the vision. I had already seen myself become what I needed to become. And because I already saw it, that means the deal is done. I just need to grind and stay strong enough, long enough to get to the end. Super cool. And it, it reminds me a lot of time when talking to people who are world level performers like yourself, they talk about that, that sort of a moment, which is a crystallization almost of what you already knew. Like you, you've obviously, you went through a childhood playing high school football in Texas, which is a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not everyone who plays high school football in Texas goes on to play at a division one school in college. And you achieve that. Not everyone who becomes, who even applies to go to the Navy ends up being a lieutenant. 
And clearly not everyone who sets out to be in racing cars ends up driving in the National Series in NASCAR. And so is this something that you feel was inherent, like you, it was taught to you by your parents or you picked it up in childhood or it was, it was that moment that someone sent you that quote that it really locked in for you? Yeah, I think it's, I, I had already known it, I think, prior to that. I just, I never had heard it being, I guess, verbalized in that way. And when I heard him say it, that's when it clicked. And I was like, okay, this is why I was able to, to go achieve this, achieve that. Because in any instance in my life where I've had to go try to achieve something that might have seemed like a lofty goal, I've been able to achieve it because I didn't let other people's opinions of me become my reality. When I was playing football in high school, yes, I eventually got recruited and played college football, but I wasn't like a high school football star from the day I came into high school. I wasn't good at football at all to begin with. Like when I first started high school football, I was horrible. I mean, I I had some speed, I could run, but that was about it. I couldn't catch a football to save my life. I didn't know a lot about football. I just wasn't good at football. So for me to go from not being great at all in ninth grade to by my senior year of high school, finally being good, starting on the team and eventually getting recruited, it took me getting past all the negativity in those first few years. All the people who told me that I sucked at football, all the people who told me I would never amount to anything in football, I had to get past that. But once again, I was never letting anyone's opinion of me become my reality. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like a lot of people talk about along the journey, the people who tell you you suck at something that you end up being really good at. But early yeah. on, they, they might catch a quick snapshot of it or mm-hmm. maybe even yourself. You might say that to yourself sometimes, right? Is that one of the questions that we ask a lot on this show is for your, the guest's definition of toughness. And the cool thing is you might have three or four different ones because of all these different domains you've been in. Football, which is considered a fairly tough environment. Navy, which is considered a ridiculously tough environment. NASCAR, which is tough as well. Like, do you look at toughness as like it's the same across all those things? Or is does toughness mean a different thing in each of those areas? Yeah, for me, it definitely is the same. Toughness is just toughness in general. It's it's all mental. At the end of the day, you have to have a lot of mental toughness anytime you're going after any big goals, any big dreams. Because throughout the journey, it's going to be dark. And that's what some people don't understand. They think, I'm going to set this huge goal. I'm going to go after whatever it is. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to start this. I'm going to do that, become whatever. And maybe they've never gone through a journey to try to achieve something big. Then they immediately start going through this tunnel, the tunnel of life to try to get there. And it's dark. And it's very, very dark. It is actually pitch black the entire way. That light at the end of the tunnel, it is definitely there, but you cannot see it at all. You know, some people expect okay, I know I'm going to go into this tunnel and it's going to be dark and it's going to be tough, but you know, light's going to be there. Like I'm still going to see it at the very end. You're not going to see it. And what happens is people aren't mentally tough enough to get through that darkness throughout that time. And that darkness, who knows how long it's going to be. It could last a day. It could last a week. It could last a, a year, five years, 10 years. You never know. But you have to continue to push forward. You have to have the mental toughness to understand that Like I have to have faith throughout this time. Like As dark as it is, I got to keep going because eventually light will show up and it might not show up to the final inch of this tunnel, but you have to have faith and be mentally tough to get through that entire time. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there the having faith or particularly you said something a bit earlier of I'd already seen the vision, so I know it's going to happen. I just got to get down and do the work. Right. And it sounds like you saw the light before you got in the tunnel mm-hmm. and you get in the tunnel and it goes, yeah. everything goes black and you just got to yeah. hang on until that light comes back. Right. Is That's that what you're faith. talking about? 
That is a faith part of it. Yes. And, th- and that's exactly it right there. Because initially, like the reason why any of us go after anything in life is because we envisioned it. We envisioned ourselves becoming a race car driver, becoming a, a business owner, becoming whatever it is. We already saw it. That's why we start. We don't, we don't just blindly just go start doing something and all of a sudden things happen. Sometimes that happens. But usually it's because we saw something like, oh, I saw myself inventing the first airplane. So I'm going to start you know, working on it. That's where it starts. But the thing is, all of a sudden we get into that tunnel and, and even though we had already saw it, we forget that we saw it and it's super dark and then people quit. And it's like, why would you quit? You already saw that it's done. Like it, it, it is there. It's just have just believe, believe that you will get to the end. Just believe it's still going to be there. And that's the tough part of the journey. But that's why only a few, you know, succeed at what they do. Yeah. I mean, for you, that that's a particularly vivid example if you look at the lineup before any race in nascar there are not many black guys in that lineup right there's only two as, as i understand it two african two in the entire national series two right. in the entire, so in, in my nascar truck series and xfinity series that i race in really it's only me and then in the cup series at the top level it's bubba wallace right and so it's even more challenging to how, how do you look at that as a sport in the first place and there's no representation for you because Bubba hadn't made it, I think, for the first time you were looking at racing cars, right? And so how do you look at that and think, yeah, that's something I'm going to do. Like, that's kind of like a weird out there dream. How did that come to be for you? Yeah, for me, when I first looked at it, I knew that it was, I think at that time when I first started getting into racing, it was only Bubba Wallace, at least at the national level. And then there was a couple other African-American drivers who were racing like late model series and NASCAR K&N series at that time, but then they just, like, it never went anywhere after that. Like, they never made it to, like, the NASCAR truck series and Xfinity series. So, for me, I I figured, you know what, I'm going to keep on going forward no matter what. And, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different being, like, one of two, but, uh, you know, it's part of it. It's just how it is. I think in racing in general, just, it's tough because a lot of it isn't just completely on, like, how good a race car driver you is. A A lot of it is, funding you got to make sure you find the right funding to get in a race car because it just it costs money tires fuel people transporting travel all that stuff costs money so what ends up happening is a lot of people can't find it and all of a sudden that's where their journey ends and for me i just refuse to not stop looking (laughs) nice so that then gives us a an interesting metaphor almost is that the situation you find yourself in as a only one of two african-american drivers it's obviously a different situation And being a black man in a sport that isn't very diverse, people could look at it as one of two ways, or it could be both. Mm -hmm. Does that come with extra weight in your car as you're trying to get to where you're trying to go? Or is it extra fuel? Or is it both? Yeah, it can sometimes be some extra weight. Sometimes it can be extra fuel. I try not to let it be part of my thought process at all. I try to just do my thing. And because I, once again, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to achieve. I just got to get there. I just, the, the tough part is I don't know what's in between. <laughs> so I don't know all the challenges in between where things are going to go well or not go well or go well some days and not. So it, it just, there's so much that happens. So, that, and that's the tough part throughout the whole journey. When I think I'm going to have a good day, I don't. When I think I'm going to have a bad day, I have a great day. Like it, it's, you know, a lot, a lot of different things happen every single day, even off the track, on the track. So for me, I try not to let just the race side of it carry any more burden because there's enough burden on, on everything else that I try not to add more fuel to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're listening to Toughness, a podcast where some of the world's best performers from different fields share their personal stories about pressure, stress, and success. 
This series of interviews is a product of the Human Performance Think Tank, with thanks to the U.S. Army and Booz Allen Hamilton. Coming up later in the show. You know, you're going to have a lot of battles. Some battles will win, some battles will lose. But at the end of the day, you win the war as long as you have the right vision, you stay resourceful, you grind, and stay strong enough longer. So damn proud! You mentioned there that you don't know what's going to happen, and sometimes you think you're going to have a great day and you have a shit one, and you think you're going to have a shit day and you have a great day. And let's talk about that. There's a lot of challenges, obviously, in racing, as you mentioned, without anything involved in race, just purely getting in the car and getting it going and competing and winning. What would you say when you've had those days where you thought you were going to be good, but you weren't, what were the things you learned out of those days? Or is there an an example for you that stands out where it's like, this is the hardest thing I've had to deal with so far? Yeah. For me, uh, on those days, the learning I take from it is, hey, like what I try to look at is, okay, what did go right that day and then what went wrong? And then from there, when you can take what went wrong, you got to try to construct from there and figure out, okay, what can I do to fix that? What can I do to get better? What can I do to prepare a little bit better so that doesn't happen? Because throughout this journey, there's going to be things that, you know, I've just never seen before, things that will happen to me that I've never experienced. And the best thing to do is just to learn from that stuff so that doesn't happen again, because this is, it's a new journey. This isn't something I've been doing you know, for 20, 30 years of my life, I've only been doing this for five, six years now. So there's just going to be a lot of new things. And as you continue to rise the ranks up the ranks of NASCAR, I'm going to be experiencing new places, new tracks, new ways to drive. Like there's just so many different things happening that it's just a constant evolving journey. So through the evolving, I have to evolve too. And by me evolving, sometimes I just have to make mistakes. Sometimes things just won't go the way I want, but that's because you know, it's new, it's new, it's fresh and I'm learning, but then the next time I come around, hopefully it's better. And maybe the next time I come around, maybe it's not, but you can still learn from it and keep continuing to push forward. But that's part of the whole thing. Like I always tell people when you're going through a journey, life rewards those who stay strong enough, long enough. Like that life rewards those who stay strong enough, long enough. You don't, I'm going to probably steal that. <laughs> yeah. I will definitely quote you on it though. <laughs> you mentioned there the concept of like, Sorry, you said like five or six years it's been? How, how uh, yeah, 2015 was when I, when I began racing. That was your first period. race. First, first, I ran uh, NASCAR late models. So like late model, short track series stuff, you know, low, super low level. Like not like, it's not like what you see on TV. It's just local weekly races uh, at your local tracks. And I started with that uh, in 2015. And then from there, I started working my way up. But um, I was 27 years old when I started, 26, 27 when I started. Other people, when they started their journeys, they were five or six years old. Mm, that's amazing. Like, I mean, a lot of research, I'm not sure if you've heard of, I think Malcolm Gladwell popularized it, but the guy behind it was a guy called Anders Ericsson talking about deliberate practice and the idea of 10,000 hours. 10,000, yeah. To become a master at something. So in like 2015 till now, I'm assuming that you haven't reached 10,000 hours yet. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think I've. Definitely not 10,000 hours on track, that's for sure. I think between my racing simulator and on-track time, it's tough, but definitely not 10,000 hours. It takes yeah, a right. 10,000 so, hours. You're, that's, you're looking at 10 to 15 years worth of a lot of practice. Yeah, and so that's exciting and daunting at the same time, right? But one of the things that he says in his research that picks up that people pick up by doing this practice is learning how to deal with when people don't have their A game. Right, mm-hmm. like, and and I you always use the Michael Jordan flu game as the best example, the very vivid example of someone turns up, they feel like shit, and they still manage to go out and perform well. You kind of alluded to it a second ago, where 
Some days you feel like you're going to go well and you don't. And sometimes it's the other. You feel terrible. You're like not in it. And then you just find a way to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Have you had experiences like that where you've actually recognized, maybe not the first time because you don't know you're in the dark tunnel with the U-turn coming up. But the second time you're like, oh, I've seen this before. And I got through this by I'm just going to shrink. I call it shrinking your thinking. I'm just going to focus on doing these one or two things. Like there's a lot of pressure. Your life is literally on the line while you're doing a lot of this stuff. So how do you shrink your focus to like just these two or three things that you can manage when things aren't going that well? What is it that you focus on? So for me, what I do is I remember that uh, setbacks are setups for phenomenal comebacks. So with that being said, what I do is when setbacks are happening, I start like, you know, at first naturally as a human being, you know, you get upset. You're like, oh my God, what's going on? How am I going to get through this? But then I remember, okay, these setbacks are setups for comebacks, like phenomenal comebacks. So even though these setbacks are happening right now, the phenomenal comeback is coming up soon. Something really good is coming up soon. So now that comes, that, that a whole part of staying strong enough, long enough comes into effect. Okay, get through it. Because a lot of times when people start going through these setbacks, don't, they don't think about the comeback that's about to happen on the back end of it. And all of a sudden they quit in the middle of it. So they never even got there. And then at the end of it, when they tell people the story of why they quit, they're like, oh yeah, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. I lost all this. I lost that. I lost my whatever. And, and that's when I had to call it quits. Not realizing that even though they were losing this and losing that and losing the battle, it didn't mean that the war was lost. It just mean the battles were just not going their way. But the win, like the end of the war was coming. It's just, you had to stay strong enough, long enough to get to the end. You cannot quit in the middle of the process. It'd be like, turning off your washing machine right when it hits a moment where it's pausing for a bit during a wash all of a sudden your stuff is still wet like why'd you quit like just let it go through the whole process it's gonna get to the end that's a great analogy very simple analogy but it's one all of us have done i'm sure have pulled out the washing too early yeah Um, (laughs) or the dryer the dryer too actually dryer is even more because yeah they're like oh because you think it's a fun thing you're like oh yeah no it's it's all hot in there it's all good and then but it's not like just let it go through the process and then you pull it out and it's like kind of a bit damp you're like oh is that enough do i do it again then you hate yourself the rest of life because you're like oh my gosh it smells (laughs) like crap it feels like crap why didn't i just wait you know why did i just wait another 10 minutes all it was gonna be was 10 minutes 10 minutes and at least on a dryer you can see the timer on this life (laughs) journey you can't see that timer so that's the faith part the faith that the timer it's, it's you're gonna get there just to stay with it and people ask how long are you supposed to stay with it how many you know and I'm, I'm like as long as necessary okay how many reps do i gotta do as many as necessary okay how much money do i need to find as much as you can like there's no number you just keep going like that's the thing like there is no finite number just keep going yeah when i was a professional athlete many many years ago i had a mentor who I was talking to him like, you know, how many, what should my stats be? What's, what's going to make sure that I get it? And he's like, you leave it beyond doubt. You don't get the number. You double the number. Like just leave them with no doubt, no excuses, no room for error. And that I'll circle back to that funding thing that I think you hinted at there a second ago. I'm interested though, you mentioned the setbacks, the setups for phenomenal comebacks. What's the biggest setback you've had so far? There may be more in the future, but so far, what have you, where has that actually come true for you? It's turned into a comeback. Yeah. So some of my biggest setbacks, well, on the funding side, I've definitely had setbacks there. (laughs) And I I would say on on that side of it, there's been times throughout this journey, a couple of times where, you know, I completely ran out of funding, completely ran out of money, didn't have anything else left to go. 
had no clue of how I was going to get through the rest of the season, through the rest of the year, or even go into next the following year. Like I had no clue because I literally had nothing. I was like in the hole, sometimes thousands of dollars in the hole. But once again, I didn't quit because a lot of these times I was in such bad shape that most people, majority, 99% of people would have quit. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I decided, you know what? Like, once again, this is a setback. Like, the comeback is coming. I stayed with it. But because I had always been, you know, grinding hard, networking right, working hard, like all that energy I was putting into this whole thing, eventually it was going to give back. So, you know, outside of racing, you know, I started some businesses. One of my businesses is where I host drag racing events. And these events, you know, invite people to the track, spectators come, people come race their cars, and I'm able to make money off of all the ticket sales. Well, I had an upcoming event at one point right after one of these huge setbacks where I ran out of racing money. I had nothing. Um, I had one of these events coming up and it actually made enough money to cover what I need to cover to get through the rest of the year. And it's, once again, it's because I stayed strong and I could have quit. I could have quit on the racing and been like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I don't have anything else. But I didn't. I stayed with it. And eventually that, camp, that comeback came like literally right when I needed it, which was right when I had nothing else left, it came, but I didn't quit. I let the whole thing play through and we got through it. That's a, that's a great, awesome, real, I'm sure there are many people listening who have been in a similar situation where it's like, I just got to hang on one more day, right? One more event. You've used a bit of language there that I want to touch on that, that references, I think, a mindset that I assume you develop in training at the, at the Naval Academy where you said, you know, you may not win the battle, but you can still win the war, being able to continue your campaign. So a lot of language there around what is military and, and war language. How much of your training, your time in the Navy, carries over to the way you approach maybe not just NASCAR, but your life now? Like how much did that inform your approach once you even left the Navy or you're still in the reserves? But once yeah. you stopped, you went on tour, you actually served in active mm -hmm. duty. Mm -hmm. Once that was finished... How much does that play into how you go about things now? Yeah, a lot of it still plays into effect right now. Yeah, now I'm in the Navy Reserves. I was active duty for about seven years, went on two different deployments. But um, one of the first things we learned at the Navy or at the Naval Academy uh, when I first got to school there was that there's this little small book, and I can't remember how many pages it is. Very, very small, but it's called uh, Message to Garcia. And the whole thing about that book is it talks about there was a fellow, and I can't remember, in the Army, Marine Corps, I can't remember, but there was a fellow who needed to deliver a message to someone else in the middle of war or battle or something. And whoever had given this message basically gave him this message. was like, hey, this message needs to get to Garcia. And then the person who needed to deliver it, like at that point was like, you know, okay, who is Garcia? Where is Garcia? How do I get this to them? And basically who had, the person who had given them the message was like, figure it out. And that was it. That was it. This person had to get this very important message to someone else and had no directions on where to go, what to do, who it was, but he had to figure it out. And that's what the book was about, was just being resourceful. Like you're not going to be given all the answers. You're not going to be given everything you need. You just got to be resourceful and figure it out. And we learned that very, very early at the Naval Academy. And that's what kind of helped me get through the beginning parts of my journey of trying to build my own business, trying to race in NASCAR was I had to just figure it out. Like life, the world isn't going to give you all the answers. Some people are going to help you. Some people are going to be there. Some people will help support. But don't expect all the answers. Expect that nothing is going to be there for you. No one's going to be there for you. Expect that you're not going to have it all. But as long as you, you can stay resourceful, you can go find 
the answers. You can start learning how to ask the right questions. You can learn how to build relationships. You will get the information you need. You will get the resources you need, but you just gotta, you know, you gotta be resourceful. And that's what that book's about. I learned so much from it, but now I'm using that resourcefulness throughout everything I do. Cause I know once you're going through this whole journey, you know, you're going to have a lot of battles, some battles you'll win, some battles you'll lose. But at the end of the day, you'll win the war as long as you have the right vision, you stay resourceful, you grind and stay strong enough long enough. You are listening to Toughness. And if you're this far into the episode, there's a good chance you like the show. You can add to the conversation with the whole review, rate, subscribe, and share thing. If this helps just one person who needs to hear what our guests share to get them through today, it'll all be worth it. Stay tuned for more coming up, including... Remember that life is cycled in the darkest point of the night the sun will still rise. So just keep on pushing. That, that's the biggest thing that I apply to everything I do in life. So damn I want to highlight three things you said there that actually touched on a question I was going to ask around what is being resourceful because a lot of people will write to me or will talk to other people that I interview and say, hey, I want to do what you do. How did you get there? How do I get to where you are? And I'm like, yo, you don't want to travel the journey that I've traveled. <laughs> it's not a normal journey. It had many U-turns and and I fell off a cliff once and like, you don't want to do that. And also you're not me and you're not coming from where I came from and it's, it's going to be different for everyone. So often the feedback is be resourceful, but I, I love the way you, in the midst of that, you said three things that were, if you're saying be resourceful, here's what it means. It means find the answers, like at least go looking for them, know what you're looking for. Number two, ask the right questions. And number three, and I'll probably butcher the order here, but build relationships. Mm-hmm. And that might be one of the most important ones because- yeah. That'll help you do the other two, right? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. for you is like when you look back at your journey to where you are currently, at least, do you look at and and point to as maybe not even a hero, but maybe just a wingman or someone who was a signpost along the journey where you're like, that person was really crucial for me, or even if you don't want to name a person, just describing the relationship that developed. Yeah, uh, it's quite a few. It's not just one. Um, quite I mean, even just my my agent right now, Matt Casto. You know, we've been together since middle of 2017, almost four years now. And he's been super, super, very, very important part of this whole journey. Very resourceful person, very well-connected, a lot of great relationships. He knows a lot. And together, we're able to bounce different ideas off each other. And we're always in sync on what we do. Like, I always know that when he's out there speaking for me and doing different things that he's he's representing me in the right way, but he's also able to use his connections to continue to kind of push this journey forward. You know, even people just before him, I have some friends who have always just kind of been people that I can always bounce ideas off of or even listen to them about their journey so that I can learn different things from it. One of my friends, uh, Ryan, Ryan Hogan, he owns a business now that's grown so much. Uh, He started it back in 2016. It's now grown to where it has revenue of over $50 million. And he's been doing well with that. But we just jump on a phone call with each other randomly and just talk. I tell him about what's going on in my life. He tells me about what's going on in his life, what's happening with the business, where they're going, different things they're doing. And even though his stuff has nothing to do with what I'm doing, I can still learn from it and I can ask the right questions. So I can take little tidbits of just strategies he does and apply it to things I'm doing right now to help it. But it's just building those relationships where you have people who are like-minded, who are trying to succeed in life, who are trying to elevate their life. When you surround yourself with, with those good people, when you're, the group around you is, is always trying to elevate, like you're going to elevate too. You can't surround yourself 
with people who are like going down the elevator. No, you, you got to be with people that are trying to go up. They don't want to stay at the same level. They're trying to go up because that like-minded type group, you're all going to rise together. And it, it just makes it very helpful and helps the likelihood that your journey is going to be successful and increases that a lot. For sure. I was just talking with a fellow performance coach the other day, talking about different ventures that we've got going on. And, and I think this is the best way to summarize that is that all boats rise with the tide. Yep, if, yeah. if one of us is sitting here and you see them go up, that's awesome because we're all going to go up with it if we're, if we're all in the same pool. So mm-hmm. really cool. I, it's a motto I share there. And with that in mind, what do you hope for the future? What do you, when you look at either your future in racing or even just the work that you do outside of racing as well, what are you hoping to achieve with your career and also with all the other stuff that you do outside of that? Yeah, so for me, the ultimate goal on the racing side of things is to make it to the NASCAR Cup Series and race full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, eventually compete for wins and eventually a championship. That's the goal. As far as the business stuff, continue to grow the businesses that I have right now. I'm doing the drag racing events. I have an esports business now. We're putting on sim racing events. I have uh, real estate investing where I'm you know, investing in different properties. And also when I have a trucking company right now where we have semi-trucks on the road hauling, mainly Amazon goods. And I'm trying to grow all that stuff. And who knows, maybe other business ventures jump into my plate of <laughs> business stuff over the future. But I'm trying to grow all that stuff. And you know, with the racing side and the business side, you know, when I elevate it to the level that I want it to be, it'll just make everything else in life better. <laughs> yeah. I should put business mogul as the fourth we entrepreneur. Have college football, <laughs> Navy, NASCAR, and entrepreneur. All right. Yeah. I'll make sure I add that on. Uh, you mentioned the sim racing thing. I saw that you won an event just last week, I think it was, or a recent, it was an electronic yeah. racing event. Right? Yeah. NASCAR did a fan vote to vote one more person into the NASCAR Cup Series. Yeah, their pro-invitational sim racing event. Mm-hmm. And the fans voted me in, which was awesome. <laughs> so I got <laughs> to compete in the event. I ran well, ended up finishing mid-pack, but right. I was happy because, I mean, it's like I'm racing against NASCAR Cup Series guys, the best yeah. of the best. So to finish right in the middle of the field, I was happy. I, I ran second place for a good portion of the race. So it was fun. I had a really good time That's and really cool. uh, loved every bit about it. So my question on that is how different is the experience for you when you're in a sim versus when you're in the thing that's actually going around that could crash in a wall and yeah. cause damage? Like what's yeah. the different physiological and mental experience? Tell us what's yeah. same and what's different. Yeah, you definitely don't take as many risks <laughs> in the real <laughs> world as you do on the sim, but it's good to get to a point where you you can be as risky in the real world as you are on a sim. It's good to get to that point. It's just tough. There's no reset button in real life and damage costs money in real life. Unlike on the sim, I can hit the reset button. So yeah, that's the only tough part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there a particular point that you can look back in your journey that you look at as your highlight so far? So something that you're looking at, you, you look back at, because we had someone on the show who was totally not from sport or the military. They were in trading. And, but they talked about this really important element of most of our emotion and therefore our decisions are based on this thing called anticipatory affect, which basically means that feeling that I think I'm going to feel if I do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so she would argue that you continuing to put yourself in situations where there's no reset button and you could cost a lot of money and physical damage. Even though that risk and that fear is there, you're actually chasing like this thing at the end of it is going to give me that feeling again. Mm-hmm. That feeling that I had when either I got on the podium first time or the first time I got in a car, like what is it for you that drives you that actually goes over and above any of the risks that are involved because you just want that feeling again? Yeah, for me, the feeling is 
accomplishing that end dream. And that end dream was my vision initially that I had, which was I saw myself the two two visions. I saw, the first one was walking out to driver introductions with thousands and thousands of fans getting ready to run a NASCAR Cup Series race. And that was the first vision. The other vision was winning a race and standing on top of the car and saluting the entire crowd. And this dream so happens to be at Daytona. So for some reason, that's where it's going to happen. <laughs> nice. at Daytona. And I'm standing on top of the car and I'm going to salute the whole crowd. And I see myself winning this race, one of the biggest races out there. And uh, that that's kind of where it's at. Like, that's where I see it. So that's what pushes me to continue to jump in, you know, life-threatening situations, <laughs> you know, racing 200 miles per hour against people. You know, uh, I, I continue to do all the stuff we're doing, sometimes not even having all the resources to do it, but still just trying to make it happen. Continue to do it, putting myself out there. We live in an internet age where there's a lot of uh, keyboard warriors and trolls, you know, so when you don't do well, you know, there's always someone out there who has something to say about it and you lose a group of them and you have to get past that. You know, you have to remember those people are just probably living in their mother's basement, you know, and probably have no life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to reframe it. You mentioned Daytona there. Have you raced at Daytona in the other series? I ran at Daytona in the ARCA series and then um, still working on running my first race in the national series at Daytona. But, you know, I've run Talladega a couple times now and I've run some other, you know, other big, big tracks too. But yeah, Daytona is still one that's still eluding me. I gotta, I gotta make it into that race. <laughs> Yes, you do. Yeah, and that, that dream's got to come true, right? That's, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's part of a journey. Jesse, we really appreciate your time. One of the things that we want to make sure this show does is translate your experience and your insight, your wisdom, your motivation to help, even if it helps one person who's listening. What would you say is the, the element of either your time in the Navy or your time in NASCAR that you look at and you're like, if I finish NASCAR tomorrow, let's say someone funded me, I got to go and win Daytona and all of my dreams were achieved and I could walk away. So I'm done. I know I would still apply this learning to my everyday life, whether it be as a business tycoon that it sounds like you're going to be, yeah. or whether it be as a parent or a partner or whatever it might be. What is the element of your life and your experience and your journey so far? You're like, I think this is something that applies to just life in general. You know, I think the biggest thing is, like we talked about before, you know, going through a journey, it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough. For those going through whatever journey, understand when it gets dark, even in the darkest point of the night, the sun will still rise. So life's a cycle. Remember that life is a cycle. In the darkest point of the night, the sun will still rise. So just keep on pushing. That, that's the biggest thing that I apply to everything I do in life. Because when you understand that and you believe in that and you have faith in that, then that's when you will get through anything. Like nothing's going to be able to stop you because no matter how many punches you take, no matter how many times you get kicked down, no matter how many times you lose, no matter how many times you get embarrassed, no matter how many times you just look dumb doing whatever you're doing, you're going to get past it and eventually you're going to win because you understand that even as dark as it gets, as dark as the night's going to get, the sun will still rise. And one of the very important things to really do to get through all of it is throughout whatever journey, always continue to prepare for the fight you don't even know is coming. So, you know, there's a fight that's always going to happen. There's going to be multiple fights throughout your journey. But as long as you're preparing for all the ones you don't even know are coming, like when they hit, like you'll be ready. Even though you don't know what it's going to be, how it's going to be, you're always preparing. So like when that one time I, I mentioned like, yeah, they ran out of racing money and I didn't know what to do. Well, I had already started the events that I was putting on 
you know, a couple of years before that. So I had already figured out ways to continue to try to make money throughout the journey so that I would never truly be completely out of it. But that's what helped me get through. Now, the amount of money that I needed at that time was more than I had ever made in a particular event. So there was no guarantee that the event was going to make what I needed to get out of the hole, but it happened to end up being my highest grossing event ever. But once again, God came in and was like, all right, I'm going to do this for you right now. Boom. But that's because I had always been preparing. You know, I had always figured out some way to have these backups happening, these redundancies happening to, to make sure I was never completely out of the game. Yeah. And is there a, like a Navy example of that where it's like, oh, do they teach you that? Like you don't know what's happening next week in this. I don't know what the Navy version of Hell Week is, but I'll oh, bug <laughs> right? As an example, yeah. you, don't yeah. know, you generally know what's coming, but you don't know what sort of shit we're going to put you through. Yeah. And you're supposed to prepare just in case. Is that, yeah. is that a mindset that is instilled in you or you feel like that was inherent from your parents, mate? I don't know. I guess I got it from the Navy in a way, just you know, always constantly preparing, always constantly training because you don't know what fight's coming next. You just don't know. Like it's not, you know, there's, you don't know. <laughs> so you just got to be ready. And when you're ready, when it comes and you're like, okay, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was ready for a fight. At the end of the day, I was ready for a fight. So I'm ready to fight whoever it is. Let's do it. Yeah. I think they refer to that. There's a group I'm involved with called the Mission Critical Teams Initiative, mm-hmm. which does a lot of work with Navy SEALs, also surgical teams, NASA they refer to those type of events as emergent events. Like yeah. it's, you can't actually plan, or you can, mm-hmm. we're going to go into this village here and we're going to kick this door down, mm-hmm. but your plan changes as soon as you kick the door down because you don't yeah. have perfect intel ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But you're always preparing for a fight. So you're ready to fight no matter what happens. Whoever gets thrown in front of you, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Jesse, thank you very much for your time. If people want to track you down, either for your drag racing stuff for any of the other business ventures you've got or just to follow you because I love your story. Where, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, the best place is on all different social media platforms. I'm mainly on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, but uh, people can just type in my name on there, Jesse Iwuji. That's uh, J-E-S-S-E. Last name is I-W-U-J-I. And if you can't remember how to spell it, go on Google, type in <laughs> Navy NASCAR driver. And I should hey. be the only one that pops up. <laughs> there you go. Or at the very least, should be at the top of those listings. There might be some imposters. Yeah. There's only <laughs> one, Jesse Iwuji. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool, man. Well, I, again, I appreciate your time. Some great stuff there. And look forward to watching your journey from here on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers, Jess. So what is it got to be so damn Excellent. Busting with the best of them. Simply impressive. No worry and stressing. I'm getting my right now. Put your shades on and let me show you how. Yeah, right.